This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. G'day, Steve Menzies here, and this is the Seagulls Business Podcast, hosted by Seagulls Commercial Manager Ben Brody and Chief Commercial Officer Luke Tucker. Each week, Ben and Luke will be joined by Seagulls Corporate Partners and other special guests to chat about all things business. And of course, a bit of footy. The Seagulls Business Podcast is proudly presented by Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. Now... Let's get down to business. Thank you, Beaver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Sea Eagles Business Podcast, proudly presented by our media partner, ASCII Live Media. I'm Ben Brody, Commercial Manager at the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, and I'm joined each week with my co-host and Chief Commercial Officer of the Sea Eagles, Luke Tucker. Hello, Luke. Hey, Ben. Nice to be here. Excellent to have you on board. Uh, today we are joined by uh, CEO David Anderson and GM of Commercial Claire Kinsey of Plastic, uh, supporters and sponsors of the Manly Seagulls. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. Great to have you along today. Uh, normally in this uh, section or at the, to kick off the podcast, we, we ask a little about each other and, and who, who you are and where you've come from and all the rest, but... Considering plastics probably not the most traditional and well-known brand, I think this gives uh, a great opportunity for you guys to, I guess, give us a bit of a one-minute elevator pitch of plastic, what it is, what you do, uh, and so I'm going to let you guys just shoot away. Right. Claire does it a lot better than me. So <laughs> we'll, we'll handle I'll give it. it my best shot. Great. So plastic is essentially a customer data loyalty platform that allows consumers to earn cash back automatically um, when they shop at participating retailers. We have over 600 retailers on our program, so great coverage there. And it takes away the pain point that many consumers face today, which is at that point of sale when you're looking to purchase your goods, you usually have to bring out a loyalty card to swipe at that point of sale. We take all of that away for you. We actually reward everyone automatically in the background so you can just go about your day as you normally would and have that nice little surprise at the back end with a little bit more cash in your pocket that stretches your dollar even further. Lovely. I'm sure a number of Seagulls members and fans would have seen or heard Plastique and I'm sure are currently using it at the moment. We'll deep dive into Plastique later in the podcast, but for the time being, let's find out a little bit about our guest today. I'll go to you first, David, and um, ask you more about yourself. You're the CEO and founder of Plastique, but how did it all start for you? We fell into it, which is, um, which is, I think, a lot of the ways that businesses start these days. So me and my two co-founders, we, we've worked together in various capacities for the best part of 10 years now. Um, I think most prior to Plastique, we were investing in businesses, so we'd set up um for, for anyone who doesn't really know about the business, so Andrew Banks from Shark Tank, he, he's one mm-hmm. of my co-founders, with Trisha Stevens. Um, obviously, we he got a lot of press from Shark Tank, um, impacted deal flow a lot. Subsequent to that, we set up camp in the Sydney Startup Hub in town, which was quite good, um, looking at eight floors of entrepreneurs. I think there would have been probably about 400 startup businesses there every one of them looking for cash. So week in, week out, we were getting pitches, um, left, right, centre, which was good. 
Um, and it really opened us up to the world of online banking and especially the emergence of fintech where it's all mm. happening right now. I think um, two years ago, most people wouldn't have heard of the fin term fintech. I think probably everyone is pretty comfortable if they hear that these days. Um, and I think Australians generally don't like their banks as well, which is which is good for the, the fintech um, yeah. world out there because people are just trying to create better value for what they're doing there. And we looked at everything where, where it all sat and like Claire's, Claire's mentioned what we do as a business and I think the big opportunity for us was be able to work out a way where consumers can get more value for their dollar and get that that extra spend there where they're spending but at the same time make the sales more profitable for the merchants um, and just sitting on that and the, the culmination of where everything was heading in the world with open banking that's kind of where we landed and the rest is really history. Yeah and I mean it's been a successful venture so far and as you mentioned Andrew Banks who uh, a lot of our listeners would know as the uh, the guy from Shark Tank or one of the guys, uh, which is exciting. And if you want to talk about startups, he's the man that you want to have on board. Um, if we can go back a little bit further, David, no one, I guess, grows up wanting to be a fintech startup CEO. <laughs> uh, where where was the progression for you? I know that you know Luke. Uh, normally in our podcast, we'll ask questions about you know what you wanted to be growing up and and all the rest, but was it a natural progression into this world or was there a um, uh, a sense of excitement around new ventures growing up or did you did you fall in it into it to a, to a degree definitely fell into it um so out of school um started a philosophy degree decided that wasn't for me about 6 months into it right. then yeah. backed it up with a music degree which is probably the only degree with less value than a philosophy degree <laughs> in this day and age um, singing and- can you give us a few notes <laughs> no <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> well, so, so the musical degree, tell me about that. Is was that musical instruments? Is it classical music, the study of? It, it was a combination of all of it. So when I was in high school, I dropped out of high school when I was in year 11 originally. Um, just did not like it, didn't enjoy it. My parents were pretty smart about it. They just smiled and said, that's no problem. You just got to get a job. So I was just like, great, I'm going to earn money. Ended up working on a produce farm and it was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. <laughs> what produce? Um, anything and everything. So from growing Christmas trees where you're, you're walking in rows with grass well up to your knees yeah. and you're treading on snakes and you can just feel the ground slowly move out from underneath <laughs> you um, to hay barns and um, sand, soil, cement, anything and everything you can think of. About six months later, I was just like, I'm going back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <Okay. laughs> they did a very good job. That that was very well played there. And um. I was lucky enough to end up getting a scholarship over at McDonald College, which performing arts school there, yes. um, and that was for guitar playing pr- primarily. And I think that's probably what led me to do the music degree um, after I'd given up on the philosophy degree. Not so much the sense that I wanted to do a music degree, I just didn't really have anything to do, and that's kind of the direction I fell into it. Um, and then off the back of that, it was just a myriad of different bits and pieces. So I remember... After the produce farm, I was working at Blockbuster Video. Um, that was right at the time when VHS had gone to DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was buying DVD players. They, they used to be like $800 back mm, in the day. Yeah. It's amazing. You, you ask kids if the, what a DVD is these days and they'll just look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. It was fascinating. The the videos, even though they weren't good quality into or the, the picture quality wasn't there with DVDs, they'd scratch though. It was just such a better um, device to be able to rent out. 
And I remember at the time there was one company nationwide that used to do all the disc repairs for Blockbuster. And I was just like, hang on here, let, let's just find out how I can get me a disc, disc repair machine. I, I don't have to work at Blockbuster and I'll make a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, so we ended up doing that. The business was called Dave's World, partnered with who's my now wife that I met at the time. Right. And I think within like the first delivery of our scratch DVDs, I had my brother doing all the work, little brother doing all the work. <laughs> and I was just sitting Delegating. around trying to yeah. drum up more business and Ever since then, it's really just been um, business to business, lots of consulting, myriad of different things up until now that have really culminated to where I am. Great. And, and there's no doubt that, that your time spent in the produce farms, backbreaking work, picking up bales of hay, et cetera, probably gave you that start as far as where hard work uh, needs to be put into place, um, which may have led to where you are today. Claire, uh, to yourself, where have you come from? I, I think I know that you've spent a lot of time in a certain banking industry. Um, was that a natural progression for you and did it provide you with you know, reasonable experience to get where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, unlike Dave, though, I didn't have that sort of itch to become an entrepreneur and, and fall into that. In fact, this current role is my first time working in a startup, which I'm actually really enjoying and we can come back to that later. Mm. I was probably more of that traditional route where I went to school, got good grades, went to uni, unsuccessful in getting a McDonald's school college um, yeah. scholarship. So How'd I wanted to be a guitar? dancer. No, no, I was the dancer. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> so I didn't really um, get there in the end, even though I still would love to know what that path could have looked like. Um, but my mum was an accountant and she really wanted me to follow in her steps mm -hmm. and I really didn't want to follow in her steps. Mm -hmm. So rather than break her heart, I just thought, well, I'll go and do a Bachelor of Business degree because, you know, you can go to those and for the first year you can have loads of fun and not really commit to anything. Sure. So sure. like a lot of people straight out of high school, not really sure what I wanted to do, more just sure of what I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and that was a great time in my life. I just you know, really discovered that I really liked the people side of things. Mm -hmm. So really intrigued by people and how they behave. So I first wanted to become an organisational psychologist. Right. So doing behaviour work there. But I ended up doing what many people did and sort of majored in marketing mm -hmm. with a sub-major in business and uh, accounting. So then I fell into my first role, which was at a little company called Pinpoint. It wasn't as small as a startup per se. There was about 100 people there. Mm -hmm. We're in Balmain. And that company about five years ago was acquired by MasterCard now. Wow. So it was in the business of loyalty, working with the likes of Visa, Qantas, um, Telstra, who all had loyalty programs tied to credit cards at the time. Sure. So. That's probably been the big theme throughout my career, which is loyalty mm -hmm. and having some way, shape or form involved in that. Um, and I love that because it's about the customer at the end of the day. Yeah, there's always commercials behind it and a shareholder objective behind it. But ultimately what you want to do is give customers what they would like. Yeah, right. Um, so that's really what I found interesting and always weaved back into that consistently throughout the years. Um, went overseas for a while, so I'm fortunate. Did the rite of passage many Aussies mm -hmm. do. So lived and worked in the UK for six years. And that was a really cool time for me. In hindsight, though, it was not what I thought it would be. So I would say in hindsight, I was quite innocent and I ended up having to work as a legal secretary for the immigration department earning seven quid an hour. Wow. So, you know, I'd come from this sort of amazing race or run of working in loyalty 
couldn't find a job over there to save myself and ended up just becoming a legal secretary, which was actually really, really great for me. How long did you do that for? I did that for about a year. Okay. So until the money ran out, to be honest. Yeah, that's, and that's then, a hard slog yeah. in a new country. Yeah, mm. but it was awesome because yeah. it, it gave me a world vision that I didn't have access to before. Sure, so, and, and it probably comes back to you know, David's experience as well. You've got to work hard in yep. industries that you probably don't want to do to get that insight into what you need to do to Correct. be successful. And I think that built the skill of empathy for me, you know, like actually hearing these such fascinating but different stories of people, you know, literally fighting for their lives yeah. to gain, um, you know, access into the UK. And many of them were very unsuccessful and feared for their lives upon being deported back to the their home country so that was something that I really look back with now with a lot of fondness yeah. and gratitude for um, and then after that I had to move up to London that was in Brighton I, I wanted uh -huh. to experience a seaside coastal town in the UK money ran out decided I had to go out to London to get a what you know a job that mm -hmm. would actually pay enough so I could actually enjoy myself and travel and landed in one of the big banks there and from there really Fast forward to today, mm. have operated in a multinational in some capacity mm -hmm. um, in the financial services industry. Mm -hmm. And really today, I think where I met Dave was a really great story too. So as Dave mentioned, Andrew's um, one of the co-founders mm -hmm. of Plastique. And in my last job at American Express, which was my former employer, we were doing all the marketing, my team and I were doing the marketing for small business enterprises. So we had 55,000 customers and we really wanted to help them by creating what was the vision of a community. Mm -hmm. So help connect them to other business owners to help facilitate growth across the entire community. And that's where Andrew stepped in. He was um, a key player and sponsor of that initiative. And that's how I met Dave and Trisha as well. And yeah, we worked together on and off for, I think, two years. And then one day it just transpired that this opportunity came and here we are. <laughs> so has anybody had to sit and do the Shark Tank style pitch to, to Andrew or has it all happened naturally? <laughs> it's been a natural evolution, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Claire, you mentioned about your, um, your understanding of, of people and, and customers. One thing that I notice and I love about your, your stuff, and obviously you're the main drive with the marketing of, of Plastique is the way that your your marketing's worded. Like obviously you can tell that you really understand what the consumers want from the background. So is that you that's driving all that around how your EDMs are worded and everything? Yeah, Dave and I partner on that. Being a startup, we just get our sleeves rolled up and we get in there. But to your point about being very attuned to people's needs, it's about knowing your customers. So looking at the data that we have access to and understanding a lot and couple that with external research. So looking at emerging trends, needs, et cetera, to understand. So for instance, we know at the moment that consumers are all about saving money. That's mm -hmm. really where it's at today. Obviously, we're faced with something that's quite global in nature and, and quite scary for many people, a lot of ambiguity. And therefore, we know that saving money is a top priority for all of us right now. And as a result, we tailor our messaging and our offers to try and meet those needs as much as we can. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess you're, you're talking to the consumers the way they want to be spoken to, yeah? Hopefully, yeah. You, you must have uh, seen the progression of, you know, being in loyalty from the very start, how that has looked from mm. when you were with, you know, uh, doing loyalty programs with Qantas and all the rest to where you are today. Has it gone from it's all about providing 
something in return for their loyalty um, to being, you know, pinpointing more their actions and their behaviours, etc. Definitely the latter there. So, you know, technology has evolved to a point where we can actually pinpoint a lot more specific behaviours and as a result understand that what we call that next best action to facilitate something that works for the consumer as well as for the business alike. So we leverage a lot more technology these days than we did back in the day when I was using fax machines and, you know, showing my age here, but <laughs> we send a lot of what we call direct mail out. Yep. Um, these days we're using phones a lot more mm-hmm. to facilitate a lot more sort of tailored and relevant, timely communications to people. So it's evolved to a lot more about being a relationship rather than a transaction, which was what it probably was more at the end, like at the beginning, which is spend here and get this. Now it's more about trying to recognise that we understand their their needs and we're meeting them. Mm. Something up and there in the background, as you can probably hear, is our halftime siren. So it's time to take a quick break. Hear from our sponsors, and we will be back for the second half of our chat with David and uh, Claire from Plastique. Guys, stick around. We'll be back soon. Imagine if you could get paid to shop. Well, now with Plastique, you can. Plastique works with over 500 of Australia's leading retailers and gives you cash back when you shop online or in-store. How good is that? free money. It almost sounds too good to be true, but it's not. Join the thousands of Australians earning cash back with Plastique when they shop online or in-store at participating retailers. Plastique, get paid to shop. Okay, and welcome back to the second half. We've had our oranges, we've had our pep talk from Des in the sheds, and we are back with uh, David and Claire from Plastique. Uh David, I'd, I'd like to get just that final understanding from you from where it went from an idea and a dream to reality. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening to the podcast who are looking to start up their own businesses but have some hurdles that they need to get over, like financial backing and speaking to the right people. So how did it go from a dream to this is real and we are, we are on? It's a good question. Um, So it was probably a six-month process where we really validated the idea before we raised any capital to go to it. We just met up with everyone and anyone that we could talk to that had some expertise or some insights or even a different angle looking at what we were doing to see where they'd go, guys, you're crazy, this is why. Because every day we'd look at each other and go, why isn't someone else doing it type of thing? It's the old story, like we've cottoned onto something, what's the catch? Surely someone else is doing it. Um, and we meet anyone and everyone in those discussions. And it finally got to the point where it's like, all right, we, we really need to decide if we're going to do this or not. Um, and I think after a little bit of debate, that's when we said, all right, let, let's push go on this and let's turn it into a business rather than talking about a concept that we've created. Um, and off the back of that, we put together a pitch deck. Um, we went out to investors. We'd Obviously, we've got Andrew on board, who was our initial investor. That definitely helps with what you're doing. But I think because we had significant validation from people that had a lot of experience in the areas that we were focusing in, um, that definitely contributed to the fact that we were able to raise the capital from the get-go. Um, and I think the other thing that people need to understand when you're raising capital is the second you get investors in the business and not giving you money, 
they're expecting a return. Mm. Um, and you need to be focused in areas where there's going to be exponential return to what the actual risk reward situation is. Um, and we were just lucky to be in that position in the fintech industry where there's obviously a lot of opportunity there, which translates to big returns to the investors if you do get to pull off what you're looking to do. Like a second half of football, the uh, the pressure mounts in that second half. So we might ask some difficult questions here. I'm sure you're, you're up for it. But I guess from our point of view, one thing we found is that a lot of people don't actually understand plastic and, and how it works. I guess it can appear a bit too good to be true to some people and the whole ease of getting cash back. It's like, what am I giving to get cash back? Nothing's for free these days. So can you break it right down for us and our listeners in the simplest and I guess easiest way to describe how it works from sign up to actually getting cash back direct in your bank account without giving up your date of birth and your uh, or your particular details to to the big bad people out there in um, in data collection world. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. So I think loyalty dates back to the ages. Um, back in the eighteen hundreds, they used to use brass tokens as a mechanism to get people to come in and shop with them more frequently. Mm-hmm. I um, think um, loyalty was even around when Blockbuster Video that you worked at was around, <laughs> wasn't it? Late fees were definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the loyalty. They didn't need to. They had complete market domination. Yeah. It was a $49 billion business that got destroyed by a startup. It's um, yeah. fascinating. Um, but from the ages up until this point in time, and everyone's experienced loyalty, um, whether it be through an airline's program or a credit card at some point, someone someone's done something in some capacity with it. But as Claire mentioned, it, it's very one-dimensional, um, and it's very much to get a reaction out of the consumer that the merchant wants. Whereas our take on it is, well, the merchant, the consumer, sorry, is the one that's spending the money. So they should be the one getting rewarded for it. And rather than it being dangling a carrot in front of the donkey, trying to force them to do something that they might not normally do. What if you could inform the merchant of how the consumers want to be able to interact and give them data and insights based off that so they can sell more profitably? And that, that in turn will give a consumer a better value um, or a better prop- better value proposition when they're transacting with that merchant. Um, and as you touched on, everything for that to happen comes down to the data. Um, I think in this day and age, everyone knows that people have data to start with. They know that other people have their data. Um, and the biggest um, point of conjecture about this business being able to work or the business model being sustainable is if people were willing to trust us with their data um, in return for the value that we'd give them. Um, and it's definitely proven that to be the case, the case which is good for us. Um, but as simple as it goes, um, we buy people's data. In return for them giving us the data when they make a sale, we give them cash back for it. And that's why once you sign up to Plastic and you start linking your data points to us, we don't need you to do anything. You don't need to scan a coupon. You don't need to click a button. You mm-hmm. don't need to activate offers. You, you literally walk into the supermarket and you transact at any of the retailers that we have on the platform and you just get cash back automatically without doing anything. Um, and as mentioned, people get a little bit, it might go over them because they just don't understand or it seems too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we, we very much address and we put it out there. Yes, there is a transfer of data there, but as long as they feel, feel that that's fair and equitable um, and they're getting value for it and that the data is safe, we're finding that they're more than happy to do so. Well, people providing their data all the time, especially in this modern world. Absolutely. I mean, we've just you know gone through the... Uh, COVID app with the government and people were in an uproar and they didn't want to give out their data and 
who's looking at me and all the rest yet in the same breath they're releasing on Facebook, you know, 50 photos of their brand new baby and, um, you know, what kind of potato they'd be on the BuzzFeed questions <laughs> and all the rest. And, you know, that's providing far more data than, you know, what COVID and what the government was after. So it's it is it's that scary thing of, you know, data collection and farming and all the rest. But it, it sounds like if you're providing legitimate opportunities and loyalty for your customers um, from a very small data collection piece, it's a it's a win-win for consumer and for business. Yeah. And I have to say from our side of things at the Seagulls, when we had our first chat with Plastique around like what, what appealed to us was the understanding of of the spending uh, and mm. and how we could relate that back to our corporate partners. So, for example, we, I think early on we used the example of our car partner, Mitsubishi, Brookvale Mitsubishi, and we obviously work with them to try and, try and get them on the consideration list for our members and fans. Um, we want to sell more cars through Brookvale Mitsubishi. So to be able to map that and to understand mm. who's, who's spending, and that goes down to servicing, I guess the KFC versus Macca's example is a good one too. KFC is our partner. We want to influence our members and fans through offers and sponsorship to understand that they're spending more with KFC. That was what appealed to us initially. Mm. Once we then got to understand it more and realised that this was even benefiting our members and fans even more in terms of the savings and the cash back, that's when we were really comfortable with the fact that, yeah, there's data being collected, which helps the club, but it's really helping the members and fans the most because they're the ones saving and they're already giving us that data as members anyway. That's we already, right. We already know their contact details, and <laughs> um, but we're, we're able to serve, serve them offers that they actually want. Yeah, That's yeah. right. And I think we've all talked about a, a vision where a member, you know, could go to a game and could spend as they normally would and yet they walk away with, you know, 15 to $25 of cash back on top of that yeah. just by simply joining plastique money they were going to spend anyway that's right so you know that's what we're aiming to do here which is just continue to reward you in the background for spend you've already you know committed to and you get extra back mm. as a result but you do you work with a number of huge brands and they're only increasing as uh plastique increases in uh credibility and and the rest why did you want to join with the Manly Sea Eagles? What did you see as being the benefit in joining with an NRL team? It's a sporting nation, no doubt. Um, you, you look at the country and sport is what drives what drives everyone. Um, Manly's a great business. Um, it's owned by entrepreneurs. It's a very entrepreneurial spirit, so it just really resonates with what we're doing at Plastique. Um, and I think the fact that everything, when we had our initial discussions, um, even though we were talking from a commercial perspective, it really drove down to how do the users get more value and the excitement that you guys genuinely got when you saw your members would be getting all this extra value from the product. Mm. That's when we really started to understand this is a this is a lot more than just a regular partnership. This is something that could be really special. Well, we've already seen that, and you've you've uh, you know we go back to Brookvale Mitsubishi. You've already offered up a, a brand new car from Brookvale Mitsubishi to our members. So, what's what was the reasoning behind that as far as the cost to you guys, and then you know what you would get in return, and how it would benefit our members outside the potential of getting a brand new car. 
I think everyone wants to know something um, is real. I think a, a prize is is a good way for mm. them to actually understand mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think just having something that's real and tangible ties it back to th this is too good to be true. Uh, wait, there's a car there, mate. This this is actually realistic. Yeah. Um, and the thing that we're happy about is just that we, we can keep um, the economy going through your partner network. I think that's a really good outcome as well rather than bringing in external partners or anything like that where we can build like a, a good solid ecosystem with what you've got there. Um, that that was something that really excited us as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's obviously what we've, we've been speaking a lot about lately is building this little ecosystem that all our partners are, are helping each other. Our members and fans are shopping with, with our partners. Mm. Um, and, and that, I guess mixed with the data and the insights that we get through the back end of, of plastic that, we, that we've got access to, it helps us to shape those new partners and those new categories that we really need to, to get a partner into um, rather than just picking up the yellow pages and ringing every, ringing every business, um, which that's what Ben does every week, actually. He just goes through the yellow pages, ringing that's every it. business. So, Door um, knocking. We can be a lot more targeted in the partners that we're trying to get on board, knowing that in that little ecosystem it's going to benefit everybody at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, you know, you guys are about loyalty. There's parallels with uh, rugby league and sport in general. You know, our fans are some of the most loyal fans in in the game in sport. And so, yeah, we, we certainly see the benefit of the partnership here. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you both about what's next steps for Plastic. Uh, Claire, I'm happy for you to take the lead here from your point of view, from a commercial and marketing point of view? Sure. In one word, growth. Mm -hmm. um, we're fortunate enough that we we launched last November, I think, and since then we've seen some really great growth. But really what we now need to do is just scale. So how do we get um, even more retailers on board, but most importantly, more and more people using our product for their shopping needs? And in that, just turning this into a machine whereby we can leverage those data insights in partnership with the likes of the Manly Seagulls mm -hmm. Club and other key partners and just make it a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby everyone wins, merchants, partners and consumers alike. What I'm interested in, and I guess it's a little bit um, outside the box of what we're talking about, but what I'm interested in is obviously you guys are really fresh and innovative thinkers. I have some great conversations with you both about all these great ideas that, that we all have. Um and I'm guilty of it myself a lot, is rushing into like having a new idea and then rushing straight into it because you just want to share it with everybody um, and then kind of getting into it and thinking, gee, I already had enough on my plate. Uh, now we're doing this. How do you, I'm, I'm interested to know myself, how do you manage that in terms of having all these great fresh ideas, wanting to really plug them into the plastic platform, but managing that, no, let's do this now, let's hold this one for later. Lack of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, Everything comes down to execution. Um, like you've touched on earlier, um, everything is just about hard work. You've got to put the hard work mm. in. Nothing comes without that. Um, and the biggest issue with being in a startup at certain times is there can be opportunity everywhere. Um, but if you don't direct your energy where that opportunity lies and you're not ruthless how you choose to execute, um, you, you can dig your own grave and fall into it without even knowing. Mm. Um, so you just got to be absolutely ruthless in how you approach everything you do. Um, we've got a roadmap where we look at, um, obviously that deviates from time to time being a startup, you can pivot and you can turn a lot faster because you're agile. Um, and then it's amazing. You go from having conversations with small players, um, businesses like your own size, because that that's who you're networking with, that's who you're playing with. And um, 
less than a year later, you're talking to organisations that are publicly listed, global, worth billions, um, how that they can start leveraging your platform as well. Um, and when those opportunities come up, you just stretch yourself as much as possible. Um, you, you think how rewarding it will be if you can pull it off and you, you just go for it. And I guess in talking about our partnership, that's what we feel that we can bring to the table too. And I know we have through introductions, even though we're a small business, uh, we obviously have, you'd spoke about our owners and our networks and, and the businesses that we work with from local small businesses through to multinationals. Um, so it's it's great for us to be able to formalize those introductions as well and then kind of hand it over to you and say, let us know what you come up with with them. It's That's um, rewarding for us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just a bone of contention. It's, it's a controversial way to probably finish the podcast is, David, you grew up as a St. George Illawarra Dragons fan. And <laughs> you weren't getting out without this question, Dave. <laughs> I know. I didn't wear the jersey. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's graded on you since uh, since coming over and being a partner of the Manly Seagulls. In this time, have you, you've seen, you know, your partnership with the club and all the rest. Can we call you a Seagulls fan now? <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, my my father-in-law and um, mother-in-law and uh, brother-in-law they're just absolute tragic manly fans um and when we told them about this deal their interest in plastic definitely <laughs> <laughs> they joined <laughs> they're even talking about signing up at that point I was like, well. <laughs> um but it, it's funny manly definitely broke my heart in the late 90s mm-hmm. um those grand finals there but yeah it's you you definitely get passionate um for the club type of thing um I remember when we did the season launch event with you guys um the thing I love about how this club works with the short exposure we've had is everyone just rolls up their sleeve. There's no level of hierarchy. If something needs to get done, everyone just works together to get it done very much like our business. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just great being around people like that. And um, we were fortunate enough to be at the first game of the year when the spectators were there and yeah, can comfortably say that we were, we were definitely barracking for Manly. Awesome. Awesome. I, can I just say that uh, you're not the only one who grew up as a Dragons fan in this room <laughs> and the other one isn't Claire or I. <laughs> 100% on board and uh, being here at the ASCII Live Studios at DY, we are Northern Beaches, born and bred. Uh, Claire and David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. You would have heard the full-time siren in the background there. So that does put an end to today's proceedings. We thank you for coming in. It's been wonderful to hear about Plastique, the beginning, the middle, and then the future. Uh, We look forward to seeing you guys grow, not only as a business, but as a uh, loyal partner of the Manly Seagulls. And I use loyal in every sense of the word. Claire and David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. This has been the Seagulls Business Podcast. Presented by and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Seagulls on LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Seagulls podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel.